Well, my friends, this is the first Sunday of our capital campaign. Aren't you excited about that? Isn't that what you want every preacher to stand up and say? I mean, you show up to church to hear about the first Sunday of a capital campaign, right? Well, this is it. October the 9th, this is the first Sunday of our capital campaign. And my guess is that you've probably heard a little bit about what we're aiming to do this year, but maybe you don't have the full picture. So before we really get into the sermon, I want to make sure everybody understands what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the goal is for us between now and November 6th, which will be Consecration Sunday when we'll bring up our pledge cards and hope that we have met our goals. So think about it this way. Over this next month or so, we're going to have two things going on simultaneously at the same time. The first is the financial push that we as a church make every single year around this time, and it's for our normal operating budget, right? When you give, when you put money in the offering plates, when you pay towards your pledge that you made last year, those funds just go towards our normal operating budget, which gives our children's ministry their budget and our youth ministry their budget. It pays to keep the lights on. It pays to fix the HVAC and replace the filters, right? You get it. It's that $1.3 million, that's about what our operating budget is, that enables the life of the church to function normally during a normal calendar year. So that's going to be going on, right? The pledge card that you're going to receive in the mail, one side of it is going to be for the operating budget, and that will be your normal yearly giving that you would be giving to this church any other year. The second side is what makes this capital campaign and this push that we're about to make as a church a little bit different than anything we've done the last couple of years, because the other side represents a three-year campaign that will start in January of 2023. That's when we'll start making payments on those pledges and run all the way through 2025 with a pretty lofty goal. It's a goal for us as a church to completely eliminate the debt that we are currently under, to totally get out from under the mortgage payment that we're making as a church month to month. So believe it or not, our church currently is in about $1.8 million worth of debt. And all of that is building debt, right? That covers any new building or any renovations that we've done in the last 10 to 15 years. And that amounts to about a $15,000 a month mortgage payment every single month, which if you add it up is about $180,000 a year. So you see the the spot that we're in, right? We have a $1.3 million operating budget and a $180,000 note per year. So the vision is this, right? If we as a church can manage to get out from under that debt over the course of the next three years, then our monthly budget will increase by $15,000 a month. Which for me, it's, it's really difficult for me to even imagine how that could transform the ministries and the missions of this church. I mean, it would put us in a position where we could look at our youth ministry, or our family ministry, and, and say, here's an extra $15,000 for the whole year. Go try something new. Go try to reach kids in our community and take a little bit of risk and know that it may fail, but it's not going to hinder anything that you already have established. I mean, just talking about that gets me really excited for how getting out from under this debt could just totally transform what we're able to do as a church. But we got to get there, right? I mean, we got to push a little bit. We got to grind a little bit to get there. And so we're going to be talking about what kind of people we need to be 
and how we need to be looking at, at our call and our mission and, and who God is and what God is calling us towards between now and November 6th, so that hopefully we get to that point and see that we will be a church in 2025 that has managed to become completely debt-free. So the question is, right, the question that I was faced with and that Kevin was faced with, our senior pastor who's preaching in our traditional service next door, is that all sounds great, right? I think everybody is like, yeah, debt-free, no mortgage payment. Nothing feels better than actually paying something off. The question for us as a church is where do we start? How, how do we start? Where, where do we start from when, we're, when that's what we're pushing towards? We know where we want to be on November 6th. We know where we want to be at the end of 2025, but where should we start? And we both agreed that we thought the best place for us to start this morning as we launch this campaign is to just have a conversation as a family, as a community of believers, about what it really means when we say that we believe we are the body of Christ. We both agree that that should be the foundation that we're standing on as we begin to push towards those goals. And that's language that we use as believers very often, isn't it? I mean, I feel like I use that language over and over again on Sunday mornings. You've probably heard that so many times. You are a member of the body of Christ. We as a church are part of the global body of Christ. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Christ, right? I mean, you've heard me say this before over and over again, but what does it actually mean? What does it really mean? What are we really saying when we use that phrase, when we say those words. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning and hope that it provides a foundation for us to stand on so that we can make a push towards those goals, knowing full and well who we are and who God is calling us to be. So we're going to read a passage out of 1 Corinthians where Paul really fleshes this concept out. And it's a little bit long, and you're going to recognize excerpts from it, but I want us to just read all of it so that we can really see what Paul is trying to tell this church in Corinth about what it means for them to be the body of Christ. So we're in 1 Corinthians, we're in chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 12 through 31. Let's read it together. For just as the body is one and has many members— And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, who would be hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many bodies, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor the hand, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor, and our less respectable members are treated with great respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. 
But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work powerful deeds? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. How many of you have heard that passage before? At least parts of it, right? I mean, Paul kind of goes off here, doesn't he? It makes me think about what must have been going on in that church in Corinth for Paul to write. I mean, he is really trying to drive this home, drive it home. But what I was struck by is how common this language of body is when we talk about our faith. Those of you that know me well know that I love a good deep dive into something just random, right? And it usually turns out to be pretty useless. And this week it happened before I even realized it. I had like zoned out for a second at my computer. I was trying to start my my sermon research and I came to and I was just reading random facts about the human body. Just ran. I don't know how I got there, but I was just reading random facts about I'm going to share some of them with you because they kind of if you're in medicine, you already know all this stuff, but it blew my mind. Did you know, did you know this, that your body is made up of 206 bones? Did you know that? Yeah, you're nodding heads. I didn't know that. 639 muscles? I mean, that blew my mind. Six pounds of skin? Oh my gosh, that one wrecked me a little bit. Six pounds of skin. Over 900 ligaments. Is that blowing y'all's mind? Oh my gosh, it wrecked me. Up to a gallon and a half of blood? I read about newborns because we just had a baby. Did you know that a newborn baby has less than a cup of blood in their system and an adult has a gallon and a half? I mean, that just blew my mind. Not to mention all the cartilage and the fat and, and everything else in the human body that makes it what it is, right? That makes it what it is. And every time we take a step, every time we speak, every time we hear something, every time we take a bite to eat, Every time we breathe in really deep for a deep breath, all of those systems, I mean, does this blow y'all's mind? It blows my mind. All of those systems, they're all pitching in in some way to make that action possible. That's why the human body is used so much in the Bible. Because the authors of Scripture, for the life of them, could not find a better example For individual parts, some as tiny as ligaments in your hand, right? Individual parts all working together to produce a unified effort, to produce a whole, to produce a movement or an action or or an outcome. And the more I read about the church in Corinth this week, the more I saw that they desperately needed to hear this message. Because this community in Corinth was was stuck in a cycle of constantly arguing with one another about who was greater, 
about who had the more important gift. I mean, you saw Paul kind of hit that, right? Believers are given different gifts for different reasons. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are teachers, some have the gift. I mean, do you remember him rattling that off? It's because they were arguing with one another about, no, I'm better because I have this, or no, I'm better because I have this job. And not only that, but they were arguing with one another about which early church leader they were following. Chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians is where we get that, that other passage that I'm betting you have read before, where Paul calls out some of the people in Corinth for saying, well, I'm a follower of Apollos. And then others say, well, I'm a follower of, of Paul. And Paul there gives a really similar message. You're totally missing the point. We are all a member of the same family, all seeking the same goal, all trying to live out the same mission. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter who you hear stand up and preach in the morning. We are a member of the body of Christ. So, of course, Paul in chapter 12 eventually turns to the image of the human body to try and help folks realize what their Christian community should look like and what it should function like. That it should function like the body of Christ. And he starts out at the very beginning by saying, look, look, remember, when you came to the waters of baptism, you were an individual. When you walked up to the waters of baptism, you were all by yourself. You were, you were alone. But when you were baptized, when you passed through those waters, when you joined this community of believers, because of the one spirit that baptized you, you became a member of the one body. No matter who you are, it it doesn't matter who you were before that. It doesn't matter if you were Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter if you were slave or free. Those were those hot, hot topic divisions in that community in Corinth. Jews and Greek, slaves and free. But I wonder if Paul was writing to us today how he would phrase it to us, right? It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. When you pass through the waters of Christ, you become a member of the one body, right? It doesn't matter whether your news notification on your phone is from CNN or whether it's from Fox. When you pass through the waters of baptism, you become a member of the one body. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or if you're poor. When you pass through those waters, you become a member of the one body, whether you're young or you're old. I mean, there's certainly plenty of things that divide us, right? There's certainly plenty of things that Paul could fill in here for us today that would make us cringe a little bit, that would make us feel like he's speaking just a little bit too directly to us. But the point, the point that Paul wants them to see, and I think the point that Paul wants us to see is that whatever that is, whatever that is that you feel like is, is causing division in your own life or within your community or within your school or within your workplace, whatever that is, right? It should stop mattering once we come out of the waters of baptism. We should realize that we're a changed people. We are a member of the body of Christ because of our faith in Jesus and because of that one spirit that works and moves in our lives as believers. And that because of that, those things that divide us, they really should be fading as we grow and as we mature as individuals, as followers of Jesus, but also as a community of believers that is seeking to follow Christ. One spirit adopting us into one body with many parts. 
And no matter how big or how small the parts are, right? Did you notice Paul said this too? No matter how insignificant you may think that part of the body is, they are equally important for this body of believers to function. For this body of believers to live out their calling, to go where God is calling them to go. Whether it's a hand or an ear, all of them are important in the body, right? So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as we start this push to our goal on November 6th? What does this mean for us as we look to 2025 and have hopes that we will be a church that is out from under this burden of debt? I think this language, I think this image of of us being a part of the body of Christ, this, this belief that we are all individual members of Christ's body, I think it should really ground us in two things as we start this journey together. Two simple, practical things that I think should be in the back of our head this whole time as we push to November 6th. I think these two things have to be our foundation. And it's this. They're super simple, guys. The first one is that you belong here. You are a member of this body. You're welcome here. We need you here. And the second thing is that you have a job here, right? I mean, for me, that's what I went back to. And again, that's super simple, but I, I think that has to be our foundation as we start this push as a church family, that we all need to realize that we belong here. You have a place here. But you also have a job here that you're invited to be a part of this body, that you are appreciated for who you are, for who God has created you to be, that you belong here, but that we also need you here. You belong here, but, but we need you here. We need you to be here and be willing to be who it is that God has created you to be, that you have a job here, and your job is to be willing to share your gifts and to share your passions and your resources, that that your job is to be willing to be an active member of this body of believers so that hopefully we can be the fully functioning body of Christ for our community. And it doesn't matter who you feel like God has called you to be, right? Whether it's a hand or an ear or a foot or an eye, it, it doesn't matter. We just need you to be willing to be you. That's what we need. That's what your job is. We need you to be willing to be you. Because I think Paul also makes it really clear that that we really can't be a member of the body of Christ and, and be passive. That every member has a job. Every member has a calling and a purpose that we are called to live into so that we can truly be the body of Christ. I mean, the reason I felt like we should start here is because if we're just going to be honest with each other, I think if this campaign has any chance at being a success, we have to be a people that embody these two things. I I think we have to be on the same page about that. I think we have to be bought into this. I think we have to to believe this. I think we're going to have to internalize this and, and make it a part of how we look at ourselves, but also how we look at our church, that we are Christ's body. That is who we are. That's our identity. We are members of the body of Christ. We pray that every single week when we come to the table. You hear me pray that blessing over the elements. Lord, make for, for, for this for us, right, this bread and this cup, make it be for us the body and the blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed 
by his blood. I think if we're going to get to the end of this and look back and call it a success, we're going to have to be willing to live into that calling to be the body of Christ, to know that we belong here and also that we have a job here. A friend of mine, uh, his wife is a children's pastor at a church in the Fort Worth area, and she did an activity with her kids that I think shows us what our church is going to have to look like at the end of this if we're going to be successful. Jason, you can go ahead and throw it up there. What she did is she drew an outline of their church, and she left it out for a few weeks at all of their children's ministry events, and then as the kids walked by, she had them take their thumbs and stick it in paint and put their thumbprint on the church. And this is way bigger than what it looks in, uh, up on our screen. I think it's about six feet wide and eight feet tall. But eventually, right, after a couple of weeks, it began to fill in, and suddenly it looked like the church had been painted, but really it was the fingerprints of all the children. And you can see they, they put their fingerprints at the bottom and, and wrote their name underneath it. But this kind of image is like a total layup for me as a pastor, right? I mean, there's so much that I could do with this. I mean, like, like I could do this, right? Imagine if only five kids did that, how empty that church would look. Look at all the different colors, right? How every child is contributing something different. I can get away with a cheesy illustration like this because kids did it, but guys, I think it's true. I really do. I think it's true. I think this is what our church is going to have to look like if we're going to get to the end of this campaign and call it a success, that all of us are going to have to be willing to dip our fingers into the paint, no matter the color, no matter the size, right? Dip our fingers into the paint and make our impression on this church. Oftentimes, children lead the way, right? And I feel like this is an example of that. My hope, my hope, is that as we make this journey together, that we will be rooted in those truths. That you will know deep down in your bones that you are a member of the body of Christ. My hope is that our church will look like this when we get to the end of this campaign that all of us will know that we belong here, that we belong here, but that we have a job here. And our calling is simple, to be a people who are willing to be whoever it is that God created us to be. In the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in The Gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.